Jesus Christ, the, the present, present in the present, the, the one who was the gift for us to have an intimate relationship uh, with him now. Uh, that, that, you know, sermon two, uh, two weeks ago and then last week with the expectant one. And, and I want to look back at the, the Old Testament at a, a person by the name of Nathan. And if you wouldn't mind turning with me uh, to 1 Samuel chapter uh, 7, verse 17. Uh, I, I remember when our firstborn son... What uh, was about ready to be born? We were living in the Philippines, my my wife and I at that time, and and uh, we were you know uh, trying to decide on a name uh, for this expected one, this this gift from God. And I remember searching through the scriptures, and I, I looked and I looked and I looked, and I, I found this guy by the name of Nathan in the Bible. Uh, a, a true friend to the King David. Now, David was, of course, a, a great king, but he had friends and counselors who came alongside of him during his times uh, when he needed guidance the most. And, and Nathan was one of those wise friends. We know that, you know, when David was young, he had his best friend, Jonathan. Uh, but Jonathan had, had died. He was killed by the Philistines. And, and so later on in life, when he becomes the king of all of Israel, the united 12 tribes of Israel, there was a man in his life that, that spoke the true words of God. And, and today I'd like to talk what it means to be a, a true friend, a gift uh, from God. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 17, it says this, According to all these words, and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke uh, to David. And so, Father, today I ask that you would help us as we, we start a, uh, a new year, a new decade, uh, that, that you would uh, bless us this year with people that speak truth into our lives. We, we, we may have, um, you know, uh, um, things that we ask for at the beginning of the year, these, these confirmations, these desires in our hearts that we want to have, but, but above all, whether it's good health, whether it's wealth, whether it's uh, uh, a better job, whatever it may be, uh, we know in our heart of hearts that we need people around us. Uh, true friends that speak your truth into our lives, that, that encourage us and exhort us, that are there for us during the, the hard times and the good times. And so, Lord, today help us to see the life of a, a man by the name of Nathan, who, who spoke truth into the life of, of David and was there for him. And so, Lord, help us to do that with those around us today. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I, I remember as I was looking for that name, that, that name, not only a person in, you know, represented in the Bible, but the meaning behind the name. Uh, you see, Nathan uh, has a, a special meaning to it. Uh, people ask, well, did you name your son after you? My name is John. Uh, and many people think my name is Jonathan, and that Nathan is just a, a shortened version of Jonathan. No, my name is John. 
Uh, I'm not named after Jonathan in the Old Testament. I'm named after John in the New Testament, the apostle, the beloved one, uh, um, by my dad. And I remember as I was talking about this, remembering this, no, this is a, a person by the name of Nathan. His name means giver. His name means gift from God, one who is given or gives. You see, in the Old Testament, when we look at this guy by the name of Nathan, we read in chapter 7, verse 17, that he spoke all the words and all the vision of God to David. He didn't hold anything back. You see, the very first time that we see Nathan in the Bible, it's something good. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, we read the very first time that Nathan is mentioned. Now it came to pass when the king, David, was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Uh, There was this good news that David wanted to share with his friend Nathan. And and what was that news? I want to build God a house. I want to build him a temple. I I have a nice house. I I have the privilege of of living in this time without enemies all around me. And I built myself a house. I want to build God an even better house. And what does Nathan do? Verse 3. Then Nathan said to the king, go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. What does Nathan want to do with his friend? He encourages him, do it, right? This this is something good. We should want to build a house for uh, God. You see, a, a true friend always encourages. A true friend always, now we're going to find out, what was that the full truth of God? No. But, but do you understand Nathan's heart along with David? What did they both want to do? They wanted to do something for God. Verse 4, it continues on. But it happened that night when the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built for me a house of cedar? You see, that very night, God gives this vision to Nathan, uh, uh, a, a truth that he wants Nathan to tell David. And what is that truth? Uh, I need you to go and tell David that I could have asked anyone, Moses, Joshua, any of the prophets of old, to build me a house, and I never did. No, I, I didn't need a house to dwell in. Oh. I didn't ask for a house. What does it continue to say? Verse 8. Now therefore thus shall you say to my servant David, thus 
says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place in their own and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also, the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. Isn't that amazing? This, this guy by the name of Nathan gets this vision from God, and instead of David making God a house, what does God want to do for David? Make him a house. Not, not just a physical house, but a legacy. A, a, a descendants that go on and on and on, descended from the great king David. Who got to tell him those things? Who got to tell him those things? Who, who was the one that this vision was revealed to? His true friend, Nathan. And what does Nathan do? When your days are fulfilled, you rest with your fathers. I will set up your, your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father. He shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men, speaking of his son Solomon. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. Who gets to speak this truth into the life of David? His true friend, this encourager by the name of... Nathan. Now, um, every single week we have people in this, you know, congregation. And it's great to be here on a one service Sunday because, you know, I mean, you see people that you haven't seen for probably three months or more. Because, you know, some of us go to first service, some of us go to second service, some of us are serving in, in children's ministry or, you know, uh, whether it's in the cafe or, or other places throughout the uh, uh, place on our, our campus, right? And so you, you get to see people. And what, do, what are the things that you talk about when you come together? What do you do with one another? People that you haven't seen for a while. You encourage them, right? What's going on in your life, right? Before we prayed, you ask one another, how can I pray for you? Or how can I encourage you? A true friend always encourages those around them. And now this isn't just a yes man. This isn't just a person who, you know, puts fluff into their conversation. But no, this is a person who genuinely is concerned about you, right? Nathan was genuinely concerned about David. He wanted to be a part of uh, David's life. God gives him this vision. And what does it say in verse 17? Did he hold anything back? 
No. You see in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 17, what does it say? According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. A, a, a true friend will always encourage. There's always people that need encouragement in this world, right? There's always people that need encouragement around us. There's always people that need a good word from the Lord. Did you know that you can be that person? You see, this time of year we make these promises. Well, I'm going to eat less, work out more. Uh, I, I'm going to, you know, get healthier or, you know, spend more time with, you know, whatever it is, right? I, I'm going to make myself better. This coming year, this coming decade, what would it be like if we make the, you know, the promise instead, how can I help other people? How can I be a friend and be an input into someone else's life from the Lord? A, a true friend that encourages other people. This wasn't the only time that Nathan was involved in the life of David. There was a, another time that David or Nathan was in li or involved in the life of David. You see, five chapters later... David gets into trouble. He kills a uh, woman's husband. He, he has this, one of his mighty men, by the way, a man by the name of Uriah, because he, he sees the wife as beautiful. And, and what does he do? He, he commands his men, his army, to withdraw and leave Uriah to die by the hands of the Philistines. And he takes this woman as his own wife, gets her pregnant, and in 2 Samuel chapter 12, Nathan again has to go to David. This time, not as an encourager, still as a true friend, but now as an exhorter. As someone who comes into someone's life and gives them a warning to turn from whatever it is that they're doing. An exhorter. You see, in First or Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had bought or brought, bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate his own food, drank from his own cup, lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him, but he took the poor man's lamb, prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore fourfold to the, for the lamb 
because he did this thing and because he had no pity. What is this story, this parable that Nathan tells David do to the very heart of David? What does it do? What, why was it so poignant to David's life, by the way? What did David do when he was a little boy? He was a shepherd. Do you understand that, that Nathan didn't use some other animal? He didn't use a chicken. He didn't use a cow. He didn't use a, you know, hamster or a duck or something like that. No, why did he specifically choose this type of an animal? Because he knew that it would prick the very heart of David. This parable would touch the very life of David. Do you understand that uh, this happens approximately a year after the events that we read when David first falls into sin. Do, do you understand the, the, you know, the wrestling that Nathan must have felt? Will, will David accept this? What happens if he kills me? Because David had that power. He could have. Or, or what if he just laughs me off? Do you understand the turmoil that Nathan must have felt before he went into the presence of David? Not just thinking up this parable or, or praying about this parable or, or getting this, you know, uh, you know, epiphany from the Lord. No, it was something that uh, Nathan brought to David to help him to see the sin in David's life. The, the blindness in his own soul. I remember, you know, uh, being a, a Sunday school teacher and a, it was, you know, and I, I do, I, I hesitate to share this with you because it reveals something about me that sometimes I, I keep private. Uh, that I was a Sunday school when I, when I was in college and, and we had a very, very unruly batch of kids. It was one of those Gen X churches, you know. And, you know, and we met in a school, and so, you know, we had a whole bunch of kids, and they're all over the place, you know. And not like our students here, because they're here now, and they're, they're always perfect, right? Lonnie and Mark and everybody else at Sunday school, too. You know them, right? They're, they're absolutely, you know, saints. But, but, you know, those other kids that, you know, get into trouble. Now, I remember one Sunday, Lord, just give me, give me help. Give me strength. And so I, I got some of the guys together that were, you know, the fifth and sixth graders and got them together and we started writing something. And goes, yo, 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 home, but we're going to praise the Lord. We're going to give him all the glory forevermore. You see, now Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. I said, now Jesus is the only way to get to God, got to God of a belief. In the one, you got a God of a belief. In the Son, now who gave his life a sacrifice, a sacrifice for you and me. Well, 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 I'm just a white boy off the street. I give him praise to the Father with all of my beats. Don't rap about bleep. Don't rap about drugs. Give him God the glory is all that I does. <laughs> and you thought I just knew him. Okay. Now, <clears throat> did you understand why I did that, though, with those kids? I wouldn't do it normally, you know, in a Calvary Chapel church, okay, or in a Baptist church or any, you know. Uh, why, why did I do that with those kids specifically? It got their attention. 
It, 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 you know, and did that in a suit too, by the way. You know, it was wonderful. I love it. <clears throat> but, but you understand there's a time and a place for speaking into the heart, exhorting another person. Uh, speaking into their life in their language. And Nathan, being that true friend with David, knew what would speak to his heart. That little you lamb. And it took David back to when he was a, a little boy, watching his father's sheep and rescuing them from the bear and the lion. With that slingshot, right? With that sling that he would protect those. He, he knew what it was like. And, and when Nathan tells him this story about a, you know, a fictional person who, who had his little ewe lamb taken away by a rich guy, what happened to the very heart of David? He got angry. And what does Nathan say in the very next verse? What does Nathan say? The, the true friend, the one who knew when to encourage and knew when to exhort, what, what did he do? He says this, verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I appointed or anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house, your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you as much more. All you had to do was ask, right? And instead you, you had someone's husband killed uh, not, not just any man, one of your um, 30 mighty men who would have died to get you a cup of water. That's how much he loved you. And you just left him there in the battle to die. And then took his wife. You're that man, David. Do you understand what a friend has to do at times? What, what exhortation means? Verse 9, why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife, have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me, have taken the wife of Uriah, Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you and your house or from your house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this of the sun and for you did it secretly but I will do this thing before all Israel before the sun does Nathan have to speak the truth again to David all the truth all the vision of God do, do you understand what, what, what the wrestling again in the heart of Nathan was I, I have to speak all this exhortation to David my friend. You understand that sometimes as a friend we get to encourage and sometimes as a true friend we get to or we have to exhort. Bring people back to the right path. 
Verse 13, so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. What is that story, that truth from Nathan? And do you understand there, there probably was other people that came to uh, David. And if not, they, they wanted to come to David. But his position, his power, do you understand that, that fear that it would have caused? And for Nathan to have not only the boldness, but the love to come to David and say, you're that man. You're that man. Every single Monday night, Pastor Tink, he, he leads us in a, uh, the men the, in a Bible study, and, and he always has questions for us. And, and to, to listen to the, uh, the conversations at each of those tables is, is absolutely amazing, you know, especially like at you know, Lonnie's table, because it always gets people involved, you know. And, and, and to, you know, uh, have the, the input from one another. And at times where you have to go into someone's life and, and say, uh, what about this area of your life? What, what about this area of your life? Is that uh, walking with the Lord or do you need to change direction? Uh, people that speak truth into your life. You see, this coming decade, this coming year, one of the best blessings you can have, not just a friend who encourages but a friend who exhorts you, brings you back, speaks all the words of God, all the vision of God to you. Verse 13, second half, it says this, and Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. What was the privilege that Nathan had to bring that truth into David's life? Not, not only did David repent, but he got to say, your sins are forgiven. Because we serve a God who when we repent, what does he do automatically? He forgives us. He forgives us. Verse 14 However, there was consequences to the sin. And again, this is all the vision. He doesn't hold anything back. Because of this deed, you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child. Also, who is born to you shall surely die. Then Nathan departed to his house. The second time Nathan comes to David, what is the word that he brings? An exhortation. You see, Nathan didn't just input his life into David at the beginning and encourage him in terms of building a temple. Uh, he doesn't just come to him a second time for an exhortation when, when David is sinning, but he comes to him a third time. And this is at the very end of the reign of David. This third time that Nathan comes into the life of, a, of David, it's again as a true friend, but a true friend who endures all the way to the very end. Not only does a friend encourage, but a friend exhorts, and a friend always endures with you. He's there in the good times. 
He's there in the hard times. You see, in 1 Kings chapter 1, we see what it is like to be David. You see, David is no longer the, the boy in the field. He's no longer the, the young man who fought Goliath. He's no longer the, the king that was strong and active. In 1 Kings chapter 1, we read this about David. Now, King David was old, advanced in years, and they put covers on him, but he could not get warm. What does David look like now? Frail, old, about ready to die. And again, it is Nathan who comes to David and is there for him during one of the hardest times in the transitional period of the kingdom. We pick up the story again in chapter uh, 1, verse 5 there. Then Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself saying, I will be king. And he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. And his father had not rebuked him at any time by saying, why have you done so? He is also very good looking. His mother had borne him after Absalom. This is uh, David's third born son. Uh, his firstborn son was killed by his secondborn son, Absalom. And, and if you remember the story, Absalom was the guy that, you know, this, this very, very handsome guy who would grow out his hair every single year, shave it off and weigh it uh, to, to prove how, how luxurious his locks were. And what was the downfall of Absalom after he tried to take the throne from his father David? It was that very same hair that as he was riding on his donkey through the forest that got caught in the limbs of a tree and what happened to Absalom? He was there hanging, right? And of course, you remember the rest of the story. You know, he has three spears thrown through him as well. But it's his brother, Adonijah now, at the very end of the life of David, who now claims the throne for himself against the will of David and the Lord. Verse 7, and he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and with Abiathar, the priest, and they followed, and they helped Adonijah. But Zadok, the priest, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, Nathan, the prophet, Shimei, and Rei, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. And Adonijah sacrificed sheep, oxen, fattened cattle by the stone of uh, Zobaleth which is in, in Rogel. And he also invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the mighty man, or Solomon his brother. So Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Adonijah the son of Haggith has become king and David our Lord does not know it. Who is there at the end of the life of David to make sure that as an enduring friend, this transitional period in this kingdom of Israel takes place correctly? Who was it? Nathan. In fact, he goes to Solomon's mother, Bathsheba, 
And what does he say, verse 12? Come please, let me now give you advice that you may save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go immediately to King David and say to him, Did you not, my lord, O king, swear to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly, your son Solomon shall reign after me. He shall sit on my throne. Why then has Adonijah become king? Then while you are still talking there with the king, I also will come in after you and confirm your words. And so, of course, Bathsheba does this, verse uh, 15, and she says, So Bathsheba went into the chamber to the king. Now the king was very old, and Abishag the Shunammite was serving the king. And Bathsheba bowed and did homage to the king. And then the king said, What is your wish? Then she said to him, My lord, you swore by the Lord your God to your maidservant, saying, Assuredly, Solomon your son shall reign after me. And he shall sit on my throne. So now look, Adonijah has become king. Now my lord the king, you do not know about it. He has sacrificed oxen, fattened cattle, and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the sons of the king, Abiathar the priest, Joab the commander of the army, but Solomon your servant he has not invited. And as for you, my lord, O king, the eyes of all Israel are on you that you should tell them who will sit on the throne of my Lord the King after him. Otherwise it will happen when my Lord the King rests with his fathers that I and my son Solomon will be counted as offenders. And just then, while she was still talking with the king, Nathan the prophet also came in. This man who was there during the, the request for a temple, this man who was there to make sure that David came back on the right track. And again, now at the end of his life, Nathan is there as an enduring friend, a, a, a person, a true friend who speaks again into the life of David. And Nathan said... Or verse 23, and so they told the king, saying, Here is Nathan the prophet. And when he came in before the king, he bowed down before the king with his face to the ground. And Nathan said, My lord, O king, have you said Adonijah shall reign after me, and he shall sit on my throne? Was, was this your decision, David, to allow Adonijah, your third-born son, to reign as king? Or was it for Solomon to be the king? Verse 25, for he has gone down today, has sacrificed oxen and fattened cattle and sheep in abundance and has invited all the king's sons and the commanders of the army and Abiathar the priest. And look, they are eating and drinking before him and they say, long live King Adonijah. But he has not invited me, me your servant, nor Zadok the priest, nor Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, nor your servant Solomon. Has this thing been done by my lord the king? And have you not told your servant who would sit on the throne of my lord the king after him? Not only does a true friend encourage, not only does a true friend exhort, but a true friend endures to the very end. Is this the legacy that God has for you, that you would have an upstart on the throne? A, a person who thinks more highly of themselves than other people. Or, or the one that God has for the throne, Solomon, your son. Verse 28, then King David answered and said, call Bathsheba to me. 
So she came into the king's presence, stood before the king, and the king took an oath and said, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from every distress, just as I swore to you by the Lord God of Israel, saying, Assuredly, Solomon, your son, shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. So I certainly will do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth, paid homage to the king, and said, Let my Lord King David live forever. And King David said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, so they came before the king. The king also said to them, Take with you the servant of your Lord and have Solomon my son ride on my own mule and take him to Gihon. And there let Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, anoint him king over Israel and blow the horn and say, Long live King Solomon. Then you shall come up after him and he shall come and sit on my throne and he shall be king in my place for I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel uh, and uh, Judah. This, this enduring legacy that Nathan has to remind David of. You're being complacent, King David. You're being complacent right now. Uh, you need to make sure that this enduring legacy that you have, uh, I as your friend want the best, not only for you, but for our kingdom. And what does Nathan do again in the life of David? Does he hold back any of the words of the Lord? No, he speaks all the truth. He speaks all the vision. He speaks all the words of the Lord. You see, many times we go to church and, and we look for friends, right? And, and this is exactly what Pastor Mike always, always tells us as a congregation. Instead of having that attitude when we come to church and saying, well, no one was my friend. I, I went to that church and, and, and they weren't very friendly to me. What should our attitude be otherwise? How can I be a friend to someone there, right? And I look around this congregation, I see many of my friends here. Uh, people that have spoke truth into my life. People that have been encouraging to me. People that have been exhort, exhorting to me. People that have been there. I think of my friend Ephron. He has just as loud a voice as I do when he sings and worships the Lord. And I love listening to him. He's moving to Fontana. He's been a friend to me. And I appreciate him and his family so much. I love the men on, on Wednesday mornings who every single week wake up early, 6 a.m. They're the guys like Ed and Terry and Kevin who, who wake up and make sure that we have breakfast once a month who's there to open up the doors and, and encouragement to me. Those that come on, on Monday nights, uh, give up their you know, time when they could be watching football. Instead, they, they go to a Bible study on Monday nights. And they're an encouragement to me and those men in that group. Uh, the, the, those, those are the friends that we all need uh, how can you be a friend this coming year? A, a true friend that speaks truth into the life of someone else this coming year. 
Well, I, I, I didn't have an example of a good friend. I, I just need someone that gives to me, right? And we all do. But do you know that there's a, a true friend that's even closer than a brother? That, that speaks truth into our lives over and over and over again? You see, in the scriptures, we read about this friend. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, it says, If your brother sins, go to him, show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. What is that like to go into the life of someone and know that you get to speak truth? Uh, truth in love, of course, just as Nathan did. But truth in the life of a person say, I love you this much. Or, or 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. We have pastors in this church. The, the, the youth ministry, Pastor Mike Butler, Pastor Mike Cosper. We have the, you know, the, the counseling mis, uh, ministry with, with Pastor Mike Atkins. We, we have the men's ministry with Pastor Tink. The, those men that speak truth into the lives that they are in charge of. That exhort and encourage and are there not only in the good times but the bad times as well. Or Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. To, to have the privilege not only just once a week to come to church, but, but throughout the, the week to be uh, encouraged and exhorted by one another. Or Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, for, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Or the famous words from Jesus Christ himself in John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will pray the Father that he will give you another comforter or helper or parakletos. That he may abide with you, how long? Forever. You see, we all need friends that encourage and exhort and are there for us in the hard times. But guess what? Every single one of those friends, eventually they're going to fail you. You as a friend are eventually going to fail someone else. Do you know that? If you haven't already. I know myself, I have. But who is there? Who, who's the true friend who's always there to help us? We see it here. It's the Holy Spirit through our Lord Jesus Christ. And today the offering is there again for you. Yes, we, we talked about, you know, two weeks ago, the, this uh, whole idea of that, that Jesus is uh, the, the present, here in the present, with us presently now. Or, or last week with the long-expected one, the one whom Israel was waiting for for centuries and centuries and centuries, uh, fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But do you understand, again today, you can have that same offering of Jesus Christ. And all it takes is receiving the gift. 
All it takes is receiving the gift of Jesus Christ into your heart. He loves you enough, as we've been talking about, to die on a cross for you. He came as, yes, a baby in the manger, as a friend to the friendless, as one who comforted those and healed those around him. But now we see in this passage and in an amazing way with a foreshadowing by Nathan himself in the Old Testament that we have a friend who endures forever and is always there with us. And he speaks truth into our lives through our brothers and sisters in Christ. There's an amazing hymn. And this is what I, I, I mean, I truly, you know, live for is these, you know, uh, these hymns. I, I, you know, love, you know, being able to speak into the kids' lives at times with, you know, that was only one time, by the way. You'll probably never hear it again. Uh, but but uh, through hymns, because they, they have deep truths to them. There, there's a, a hymn that goes like this, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Does God hear all of our prayers? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Is God always willing and able and wanting us to bring all of our requests to Him? Yes, He is. Or or the third verse it says this are we weak and heavy laden cumbered with a load of care precious savior still our refuge take it to the lord in prayer do thy friends despise forsake thee take it to the lord in prayer in his arms he'll take and shield thee thou wilt find a solace there now please stand with me and sing the song What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will solve our sorrow share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden? 
cumbered with a load of care. Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee. Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. And so, Father, today we thank you for sending your Son, the gift, the present, the one that when we, we open will we'll never disappoint, uh, that, that gift from you, that the long-expected one whom we, we truly understand is, is the salvation of our souls. And, Lord, help us to be a, a little part this coming year uh, to speak truth, a, to be a, an example of you to those around us, to be a, a true friend who encourages and exhorts and uh, endures during the hard times and the good times and, and just the times of, uh, of, of life, Lord, that you would just help us to be true friends to those around us as you were first to us. And Lord, we thank you. I, I thank you. I, I, I really am blessed by, by hearing the, the singing of this, my, my family and my friends, this congregation, this church. Lord, I, I thank you so much for their love for you and their desire to truly reach out, not, within our, not only within our church, but to those outside of our church, that, that we would as a, a church desire with all of our hearts to be friends to those around us, Lord. Help us to make uh, that, that promise this year. Help us to make that, that vow this year that we would be a friend to one other, other person, a, a true friend to those around us, Lord. I, I thank you so much for the privilege of being able to speak your word. I ask that you would bless it. Let it be a nourishment to every single soul in this building. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless.